Hello, and welcome to Enter the Fold, a Shadow and Bone podcast. I'm Caitlin, your host who has read all of the books. And I am Mandy Kay, your host who has still not yet read a full book, but has started reading Shadow and Bone. Um, This week we are talking about the prologue and the first five chapters of Shadow and Bone by Lee Bardugo. I was going to ask if you had read the whole book, but you just, you kept to the chapters? I did. I kept to the chapters. That's nice. Um, I'm, you know, moving ahead just makes it difficult to talk about them. It does, yeah. So, and roughly the first five chapters are kind of like the first two episodes. Yes. Minus so, crows. My, yeah, minus the crows. That's going to be interesting because I'm, I'm curious if I'm going to miss the crows as I read this or if I'm not even going to realize they're gone or if I'm going to be reading this like, wait, why is this different? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I will we'll see what happens. It will be I I don't know like obviously I don't miss them because I've read the book before and I know that they have mm-hmm. their own their mm-hmm. own book that if I wanted them I could just pick that up and read. Although I was thinking about it the other day and I realized that after season 2 if they keep them together you still can't read Six of Crows because there's spoilers in it for the end of Rune and Rising. Oh, okay. Like not not many but like state of the world spoilers. Got it. Like Got it. Okay. Who's in charge in Ravka and a couple of people where they've ended up, that type of thing. Okay. So sorry about that. It's going to be a couple of years before you can read my one of my favorite books ever that I would really love for you to read. Okay. I think I saw somewhere, and I don't know if this was probably largely just speculation because you haven't said anything about it, but... I read that Netflix might be developing Six of Crows as its own show. Uh, I think Vulture Vulture had an article about that, but it's the only one I've seen, and I'm not I'm not even addressing it until we get word okay. from. Because it doesn't really make sense at this point, but okay, okay, whatever, it's fine. I can kind of, I don't think it makes sense either, honestly. Like... Like, it doesn't, it doesn't. It makes sense from a story perspective, but it doesn't make sense for how they've done it at all. Right. Like, it makes zero Since sense. Since they went ahead it. and brought them into Shadow and Bone. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't, unless they plan to tell stories with the characters afterwards, which, mm-hmm. like, complete the story of Six and Crows and Crooked Kingdom within, or, like, tell a completely different story with them within um, the second two seasons of Shadow and Bone, and then do... Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom afterwards. But then I think the characters would be too old. And part of why they make sense is that they're young. Hmm. Okay. Well, I guess we'll find out. But for now, we are talking about the book. Yes, we are. Finally. You know, I have to say, usually, and and we talked about this a little bit whenever we were, you know, talking about the show. I am ordinarily somebody who would prefer to read the book before I watch an adaptation. Mm Mm-hmm. But in this case, I am glad that I've seen it first because I could visualize what I was reading. Interesting. And it was nice. Like, so the the prologue called Before mm-hmm. is is where all of the meadow and orphanage bits come from yes. in the show. Yes. And it's, it's, it's very short um, and it is a little bit different than the version that we get in the show. But it was nice to kind of... You know, see the meadow and understand what they're doing, see little Mal and little Alina and and their relationship to each other. So I kind of enjoyed it. And reading the source material kind of helped me understand how they culled all of that information and all of those flashbacks just from a few pages. Mm -hmm. Like it just made sense. 
I it's I don't know. I I like I thought the show kind of flashed back a little too much. So yeah, I do like this little short thing. We get it and we move on. Yeah. So well, and also the show is different because in the book they didn't try to hide from being tested. They didn't want to not be tested. Right. Um, like it was just a one and done. They the Grisha showed up to test them and they tested them. Now, granted, in the book, we don't know what happened yet. Obviously, she was tested and she wasn't found to be a Grisha. We know that, but we don't know about the scar. We know she has a scar, but we don't know that it's from the test. It's not from the test. Oh, really? They changed that. Oh. I wasn't going to say anything, but eh, it's not. It doesn't really spoil anything. It's not from the test. It's completely different in the book. Well, I really am curious how she, they didn't find out that she was a Grisha, unless it's because they're, they've hinted that she can control it a little bit. Yeah. I can go into my thoughts on that, but I think it comes up later this book. So Okay. I, I can well, we can it. talk about it later, though. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's interesting that they did hint that she could control it with when she meets the Darkling in the tent. You know, she feels it rising, and she's like, no, 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 until he cuts her, and then she can't hold it back. Yeah. About that scene, I, I, I thought that... Well, upon reading that scene again, I think that that's where they got the inspiration for how they did the testing in the show. Because she is <sighs> able to push it down until he cuts her, and then it, like, responds to the pain. Right. And so I, I did not pick up on that earlier. So I thought that mm-hmm. that was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. There are a few um, a few other differences that I saw in the book that I don't think matter that much, but they're just interesting choices. Um, one of the first things we find out about the fold is that in the book, it expands every year. It's continually growing. Yes. And that's not a part of the world in the show, or no. at least not one they ever mentioned. Yeah, I think it might still be happening. I, I don't know, though, because they've got the dry dock like right there. Although mm-hmm. they must also. It's interesting because you'd think it would have consumed parts of Nova Kravirsk or Kravirsk. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nova Kravirsk is on the yeah. other side, or this one's whatever, doesn't matter. And that they would have had to keep moving the dry docks back. Yeah, and maybe they do. They, they didn't really go into any more detail than that. It was just it was just a line in her description of what the fold is, and it took me by surprise. Yeah. I also feel like they could have, both in the book and the show, like they, there's one line where Alina says something like, there used to be farms and and things along here and nobody knows what happens to those farmers Mm -hmm. and like having watched the entire season one i'm sure you can guess that they they became volcro right Um, right well they told us that in the show oh they did oh in the show yes okay but but even the ones that lived there as it was expanding i think got caught up in it or might have Hmm. so it's Interesting. interesting that there's just one line about it and that they don't go into it more i guess mm-hmm yeah, so the other thing is there's a lot more history or information given to us, the audience, about the Grisha mm-hmm. and the world the Grisha occupy, mm-hmm. which is interesting because everything we're getting in the book is from Alina's perspective, which, of course, is different from the show. And so I think that probably accounts for some of the differences in the information that we're given. But several of the questions that I asked over the course of watching the show were answered for me in these five chapters. Um you know, talking about how there are Grisha from, they're not just Ravkin. Yes. Right? Like, I thought the Grisha were just Ravkin from watching the show, and you told me that's not true. And then we realized 
you know, Zoya and Jesper and, you know, other folks when when we saw those. But it very specifically says when Alina's talking to the Darkling, you know, he's talking about how Grisha from all the other countries came to him because their countries treat them like crap. Yeah. You know, that was good world building to get right up front. I think she did a lot of good things like that where Alina was just asking people personal questions and through their personal answers, we got mm-hmm. world building information. Yeah. Um, like when she asked Fedor about why he chose to be uh, a heart render over a healer. And that sort of shows how they could go both ways and they can choose what they want to do and have the ability to do both. Right. Which is not something you pick up on in the show at all. Yeah. I, I thought you were either a heart render or you are a healer. You couldn't be both. Like you had to choose. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Um, and it makes me wonder, is it is that true for the other orders as well? No. Uh, uh, maybe fabricators. We don't really get in for a lot of in-depth information about fabricators. Mm-hmm. Um, but not summoners. Summoners can summon their, oh, either air, their water, one thing. or fire. Yeah. yeah. I guess that makes sense. That yeah. does make sense. Another interesting thing was in her conversation with the Darkling. Mm-hmm. It's weird to me that he's only called the Darkling in the, in the book. Right, yes. See, and for <laughs> me it was even, weird the other way around calling him not yeah. the Darkling in the show. Well, even in the show, he was the general. And then he yeah. was Alexander, you know, and here he's just the Darkling. And it's just, it's weird. Um, but they have the conversation in the show. They have it at the, he takes her to the fountain. Yeah. And they have that conversation here. They have it when they're still on the road trying to get Alina back to the little palace. And she asks him how old he is. Mm-hmm. And he answers that he's give or take 120, which I just find fascinating that they gave him that much of a backstory that was told to us that we didn't get in the show. Right. Did you, do you think anything he said in these chapters was the truth? Um, no. Yeah. I, don't I mean, because so. he gave her the whole, the whole same speech about how it was his great, great, great grandfather and every darkling since him has tried to, you know, destroy the fold and has been unable to, you know, he still did that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's still, but, you know, if I hadn't seen the show, mm-hmm. I'd totally believe him. Yeah. Like, there's no hint that he is not who he says he is mm-hmm. at this point in the book. I think, I think the one thing that he does say that is true, or I don't think he says it outright, but something that he implies is that he treats Grisha well and, that, you know, that he's created this haven for Grisha. Mm-hmm. So I think that is the one uh, motivation of his that was always true to a degree. Maybe. Even see, even after after watching the show, I question that a little bit. Right. You know, because I don't know that he wasn't necessarily doing it for Grisha so much as he was doing it for himself. I think to maybe have an army and to have power. Yeah. But uh so for the books anyways, he has a completely different backstory than in the show. Like that okay. whole thing never happened in the books. Right. Okay, okay. So I think it did start out maybe that way originally, mm-hmm. but other things happened, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, and at this point in the book, all we have to go on is what he's told us and what the other Grisha have told us, which is he created this place mm-hmm. as a refuge for Grisha. Yeah. And they all and, like him and like the refuge. And they're they're loyal to him. And 
for all intents and purposes at this point, he is a good man. Yeah. Who just happens to like the color black a lot. (laughs) It might not even be that because they say that, you know, it's just the Darkling's color and all the Darklings have always worn black. And if you don't know, it's all the same dude that it might just be. Yeah, I found it interesting. Alina said he was the only one allowed to wear black. I guess if you think if you think of the um, Grisha of the Little Palace as an army, then it's mm-hmm. like his his station. His if he was a general, it, it's what the general wears. Mm. Yeah, because I guess he's not a general in the book, is he? He's just the Darkling who's yeah. in charge of all the Grisha. Yeah. I also found it interesting that after she was exposed on the skiff, you know, whenever she did burst into light, mm-hmm. she was kind of treated as a prisoner by the the first army yeah like they held her at gunpoint and it was the captain of the guard who ended up taking her he's the one who asked her what are you it wasn't the darkling yeah that was the change that i liked in the show that they put it as more of a big scene with the darkling i thought that was Mm -hmm. good um but yeah i could i could see it so clearly as i was reading it because we had gotten the show um and i liked it i liked it a lot i can't I can't even tell if it changed my perception of reading it. Okay. I think I do picture Alina now as Jessie Mae Lee, which mm-hmm. is interesting because she's not. She's she's full Ralphkin in the book. Right. But I still picture her as Jessie Mae Lee. Mm. And Mal is the dude who played Mal. <laughs> his oh name gosh, escapes what's me. His name? Archie? Yes. That's Archie his name, something. Archie. Yeah, I, I, I see all of their faces exactly the way they were in the show. Um, at least the ones they've named. Like, I'm pretty sure that Zoya is the dark-haired one in blue, but they didn't give her name. Yes. (laughs) So I'm not positive. Um, I also thought it was neat. We got a mention. Alina's talking about Mal being a tracker, and she says he could find True North. And I was like, aw, True North. (laughs) I don't think that's a thing in the book. Aw. Well, it was in the show, and so whenever she said it, like actually referring to True North right? Um, and his ability, I was like, oh, that's so sweet. Um, what you have see. to remember is that Mal in the show is much sweeter than Mal in the book, who on his way to try to seduce someone, stopped by Alina's tent, got her out of bed, and I don't know, talked to her while he was kind of drunk. True. Okay, so... I'm really trying hard not to let your opinion of Mal color my opinion of Mal. That's fair. Right? And I love show Mal. Um, so I haven't seen anything in these five chapters yet that makes me not like him. Like, because he has, like, they talk about him seducing people, but we haven't actually seen him do it. We've right. seen him flirt. We don't actually know what he was going to go off to the tent and do because we don't see it because we stay with Alina. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point in time, we haven't seen any of that. So yeah. I'm still I'm still team Mal. I'm like I'm I'm good with him. You know, he's he clearly loves Alina and clearly, you know, I I it's it's not romantic at this point, but he does clearly love her. Um because he says things like it's always just us two and um you know, I'll meet you at the meadow. Yeah. That's all still there. So and we got the I guess the prologue, because the prologue is not from Alina's point of view. That was kind of a third-person narrator, right? Right, yes. And so we did get the way that ended was if the Duke had seen the look between Mal and Alina, he would have recognized it because it's the look of a man who's prepared to defend 
you know, standing there with a rock prepared to defend his friends or country or whatever. His home is what the quote is, I believe. So, you know, we we have we're seeing the beginning of of the scope of their relationship. I agree. I think it's but like after this, we don't see Mal again, right? Until he shows up at the little palace, since it's all from oh, Alina's yeah, perspective. Because it's all from Alina's perspective. So this is all you have to go on. Oh, okay, that's fair. That's fair. Like, because in my head, I'm still seeing in the show where Mal's like trying his hardest to get to Alina, and he's chasing yeah. the coach when they're taking her off, and we don't see any of that in the book. So, yeah, you're right. It, it may change my perspective, or it actually may not, because that is. Because it's in your head? And for, yeah, it's in my head. It's informing my perspective as I read. So yeah. um, we'll we'll see what happens when Mouse shows back up. We shall. Another thing that we got in these chapters was Ivan showing Alina his amplifier. Yes. We got a whole lesson on ampl- amplifiers and the Darkling being a living amplifier. Yes. And, um, well, just something I wanted to say is that he, it's just some claws, I think, on a necklace. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's not like grafted into his skin like they decided to do on the show. It's just some jewelry, which, yeah. again, I think is a much better option for life. I agree. I agree. It's weird. Because um, I just I keep seeing Zoya's arm with a piece of bone sticking out of her wrist. And I'm like, like, I would hit that on things all the time. Doesn't that hurt? Like, wouldn't that hurt? I don't know. Um. The interesting thing about them specifically calling out the Darkling as a living amplifier is he he says that my bones and teeth would be very valuable mm-hmm. to another Grisha. And that topic is not broached at all in the show. No. It's just he's constantly looking for more amplifiers to continue to amplify his already amplified power. Well, he's in this, in the, in this story, he's looking for amplifiers for Alina. Mm-hmm. Not for himself, because I think, I mean, we can discuss this. I'm not 100% sure, but the story with the whole amplifier thing gives the impression that Alina can summon light, but she's not very, she's not like Darkling powerful. So she gets Mm -hmm. the amplifier so that she can be powerful enough to, well, I don't know what the Darkling wants to, like, I don't know that he wants her to be powerful enough to take down the fold, but to create passages within, I don't know. I guess we'll see when we, we get to those points in the book. Yeah. Maybe. Um, I wrote down a couple things. So in, in the first chapter, we do get Mal mentions that Alina never sleeps and that she has no appetite, which was mm-hmm. kind of like a plot point that the show dropped. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Okay. Is that something I should pay attention to in the book? Well, it was brought up in the show afterwards. Like later, she just, when she was when she and Mal were on the run and she was eating and he was like, oh, you're eating. That's new. And it's mm-hmm. it's a Grisha thing. Mm, okay. Because she wasn't using her powers, so she was kind of sickly. Right, right. Oh, okay. Got it. They were always both planning to cross the fold. Not that weird thing that happened in the show with the burning of the maps. Mm, okay. But I get, And I guess that just kind of goes to show that the, that the show really wanted to, really wanted you to see the connection between Alina and Mal. Yeah. Yeah, because she did that so that she could go with him. Yeah, so that they would not um, be separated. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, because in the book, you just you, we get all of her internal thoughts, so we know how deep that connection is for yeah. her. That makes sense. It is fascinating to kind of think about why writers make the changes that they make whenever they do these adaptations. And 
it's so interesting that sometimes at first glance you can be like, I don't know why they did that. It doesn't make sense. But then when you really start to think about it, there is a reason. Yeah, I still don't know why they changed the Grisha testing. Like, I think it would have made so much more sense to have it be somebody who is an amplifier, which is what it is in the books. Mm -hmm. Uh, Touching children. Because (laughs) we've made that joke before. Yeah. Um, because then that would introduce amplifiers or be another bit where they could talk about amplifiers, but which Yeah, it's know. weird that they didn't talk about amplifiers until we got to Bagra. Yeah. Since it was brought up in like chapter three mm-hmm. in the book. Like it's it's one of the first things we learn about Grisha is the amplifiers. Yeah. So that is that is an interesting change. Um, but I think I wonder if it's just one of the changes that they made because they were having to give us different people's perspectives and so we were learning things from Bagra and we were learning things from the Darkling and we were learning things from people besides Alina and so they had to figure out how to disseminate that information. I guess but like we flashed back to that Grisha testing so much that I really think they could have just left it. I don't know. Yeah that's true. That's true. Maybe. But I guess maybe they didn't want to do a flashback to where the the cut on her wrist actually comes from because it's Without being in Alina's head, it, w- it would be kind of lame on a show. I can absolutely understand that. Oh, it wouldn't okay. be very interesting. All so right. maybe that's why they felt they needed to change it. Okay. I don't know. I guess I'll find out in the next couple of weeks about that. Yeah, I have no idea where in the book that is. Like, absolutely okay. no idea. So, I mean, basically, we've gone through the first two episodes of the show, which which tracks because we're going to do this over four weeks and there were eight episodes. So if it's roughly two episodes per section that we're going to read, mm-hmm. maybe. I don't know that they're going to keep to that considering how much additional material they brought into the show, but we'll see. I think it'll be about that. Okay. I don't know. Next week, I think there's going to be something that's very difficult for me to keep my mouth shut about. So that'll be fun. Ooh. I think that'll be in next week. I could be wrong. Were you at all, I guess I kind of already asked this, but like, how did you feel about the Darkling seeing him back at the beginning again when he's still being all nice? Um, It's, it's a little bit easier for me to deal with just because his character, like he's the Darkling. So Mm -hmm. he's, he's almost a different character. Like, I know he's not, he's he's the same guy. It's still Ben Barnes. Interesting. (laughs) But... Because he's called something different. Like, if, if it was the general, I probably would have had a harder time with it. But, like, I am I can be on board with him right now. Like, I know that he's going to be bad. Mm-hmm. But as I'm reading it right now, I'm not reading it with through that lens of manipulation. I am reading it as Alina is and seeing him as Alina sees him. Interesting. I don't, I can't even, like, whenever I read him now, I'm just like, because he makes me angry. Yeah, no, I can understand that. Absolutely. Um, But I think there is a piece of me that is able to keep the book and the show completely separate at this point. Mm -hmm. So um, it's it's like while I'm reading it, I'm re-experiencing the show. And so it's it's still at the beginning and, and he's still beautiful and young and he's trying to protect Alina. And like I can put myself in that frame of mind for now. I suppose that's fair. I, whenever I read these books, I'm just like, I find more lies. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I am trying my hardest to read it as a first-time reader because I am a first-time reader. That's fair. That's fair. 
Next week, we will pick up with chapter six, and we'll read chapter six through 11. Mm. Great. Good stuff. We're going to meet Jenya. Oh, good. I was hoping to meet Jenya this week, but when it ended with her, you know, falling asleep after she got to the little palace, I was like, oh, I have to stop reading now. I think like that exact thing happened when we did episode two. I was like, man, I thought we had Jenny in this episode, but I guess that's next week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I I am looking forward to seeing what Alina's life at the Little Palace looks like from her perspective specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, because the other thing that, that I found interesting that I didn't mention was the journey from Kribirsk to the Little Palace was weeks. Yeah. Like with her on the coach and then on the horse and all of that stuff. And on the show, it you know, it was like it was a day or two. Um, so I'm I'm curious. I like seeing this world through Alina's eyes. And so I'm looking forward to being introduced to all of these people through her eyes. That's all. Yeah. I, I, I like that the journey took a long time in the book. But also I like that the show just glossed right over that because that would be boring. Yeah. Yeah, and and so I like that because they did that, we got the opportunity to have him take her to the fountain, and they talked in private in a beautiful place instead of, you know, with her whining about not being able to walk after riding on a horse. (laughs) You know, little changes like that I totally get. It makes sense. Yeah. So, but yeah, looking forward to meeting Jenya next week. Yay. Uh, All right. Before we go, we actually sort of have an email. Um, It's mostly a spoiler-based email uh, from our last spoiler episode, but there was one question uh, that I can kind of answer from Katie. Thank you so much. It's also just a nice email. Thank you. And then she asks, do you think there will actually be a sequel to Rule of Wolves Crooked Kingdom exploring stuff? Um, Lee seems to give conflicting statements about whether she plans to continue the Grishaverse books. And so here's my personal thoughts on the matter. I think she'd love to. Honestly, I think she has a million ideas. I think especially the way Rule of Wolves ended, I think she has an idea for what would happen next. Um, But I also think she is currently contracted to write the next Ninth House book, to work on season two of this, and to work on the movie adaptation of Ninth House. So, And probably also just wants to explore writing other things. So I think it's kind of both. She wants to and she doesn't want to. And also she's really super busy with actual contracted writing. Will we ever get a Six of Crows 3? I don't know. I don't even know if I'd want it. Like I would. I want the characters more. Obviously I'd love it and I'd read it, but I don't know. Hmm. Okay. What's the Ninth House? Uh, Ninth House is her non-Grisha-verse book that she wrote. It is a sort of urban fantasy that takes place at Yale and is adult. It is not young adult. Um, there's some very disturbing shit in that book. And even <laughs> being warned going in, like uh, there's sexual assault in this book, but even oh. I was warned about it and I was, I was listening to the audiobook, and I was like, oh God, fast forward, fast forward. I don't want to listen oh, to no. this. It was, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's a good book. Um, I highly enjoyed it, but don't go in expecting anything like Shadow and Phone. Okay. All right. I'll have to look it up. So uh, if you have any thoughts, you can tweet us at EnterTheFoldPod. You can email us at EnterTheFoldPod at gmail.com. I'm Caitlin, and you can follow me and find my other shows on Twitter at InferiorCaitlin. And I am Mandy Kay, and you can find this show and all of the other Eloquent Gushing shows at eloquentgushing.com. We are also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at eloquentgushing. And you can give me a shout out over on Twitter at Mandy Kay, but please keep them spoiler free. Remember, I've only read through chapter five. Mm-hmm.